Taking action is the first step to change. The Shiv Show, an irregular podcast in a regular world. Introducing your host, Shiv Rad. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to The Shiv Show, and welcome to the very first episode of a new series based on the sales industry. Now, this series is pretty cool, and the reason why is because every time I say the word sales, somebody freaks out. Somebody goes a bit crazy. They start thinking all these negative thoughts. And, and, you know, I've been in sales for many, many years, and I love it. I think it's great, but I can also see why people freak out. Now, I just want to get to the bottom of it. So what I'm doing in the sales series is I'm interviewing some of the top salespeople that I know and we're trying to understand why sales has such a negative connotation attached to it. Now, kicking off this series is the one and only Luke Power, and I couldn't think of anybody better to kick off this series other than Luke. So let's listen in to episode one of the sales series. Luke Power, the legend, welcome back to The Shift Show, man. It's so great having you. Let me just say this. As you know, you're one of my mentors for the past two years, so always an honor having you back on here. Thanks, Shiv. Good to be back. Good to be back on the Shift Show. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Hey, uh, so your first episode was the highest listened to episode with about 6,000 downloads, so let's see if uh, this episode can, can beat it. It's a high bar You up for the challenge? We'll see, see how we go. See how we go. Good, good. So you and I have been chatting about this for a while. So essentially, this is the start of a 12-episode series podcast based on sales. And what I'm trying to do is shine a light on sales because, as you know, sales kind of has a negative connotation attached to it. Um, So I do want to get your thoughts on sales. But before we go into that, the topic for today is every customer has a customer. And I think that's a great topic because I think as salespeople, we tend to forget that we're selling, especially in B2B, that we're selling to companies that actually have customers and uh, we tend to forget that. So tell me your thoughts on that topic and tell me why you chose that topic. Yeah, sure. So, I th- you know, if you listen to the first podcast, a lot of my background was mainly around channel sales. And so I've had, you know, 10, 15 years of experience working with partners, uh, working with vendors in, in, in channel uh, roles. And uh, probably three or four years ago was my first serious, you know, end user account management sales management role and mm-hmm. I thought holy crap you know uh, how am I going to go about this yeah. I've been used to speaking to partners for such a long period of time uh, and you know obviously I had a great team around me uh, great great partners and great customers but I approached the sales management role like my customers were partners mm-hmm. and I think you know uh, even if I speak to my team today um, some of the things that they've learned have really been how do I treat my customer like a partner um, yeah. more than a customer and you know, if we look at some of the solutions we work with today in our industry, we're all trying to achieve a goal. And um, in most cases, uh, the customer is actually trying to achieve a goal for their customer. Yeah. Uh, better, whether it's a better outcome, a better experience, um, you know, predictability, profitability, um, all those type of things. Good. So I want to jump into that, but sure. tell me your, your, your take on sales. So why do you think, in your opinion, sales has a negative connotation attached to it? Look, I think uh, sales is, a, like a lot of professions, are really, it's an art. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, over the years, it's really evolved. Uh, like any type of occupation, there's a lot of pressure uh, in performing in sales. Yep. You know, weekly numbers, forecast, pipeline, all those type of things. Mm-hmm. I still think that's important, but I think the key to sales these days is how do you balance that? How do you balance it with getting the key metrics done within a certain period of time? but also thinking out a year or two. And a lot of the organizations in our industry that you know, we work for uh, only tend to care about you know, the moment and the yep. week, yep. Uh, you know, the, the month, uh, hitting those numbers. Mm-hmm. And again, that's important, 
but we need to have a balance and look at you know, the next month, the next six months, the next 12 months. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to have that bimodal mindset. And I yeah. think um, some people, for whatever reason, um, have either focused too much on one or the other. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the people that are going to be successful in sales and get rid of that, not, uh, that, uh, that label, as you say, uh, are the ones that are going to be able to, to balance that. Yeah. Um, that bimodal approach. Beautiful, beautiful. And you, you have young children, right? So have you ever spoken to them about sales and, and you know, what it can do for, for their future? Yeah, I mean, look, sales, I think, is, uh, happens... It, you know, we, we're selling every minute of the day. Yeah. We just sometimes don't realise it. Mm-hmm. So uh, for me, you know, and I had a conversation with someone else about this the other day, sales isn't really about a particular uh, product or technology or... Uh, we, we, if we look at our current roles and where we're at, you know, mo- in most cases, we could be doing this in any different type of vertical industry. And uh, Exactly. You know, I've got a nine-year-old and a five-year-old. The nine-year-old in particular is getting to the stage now where he's at school and he's uh, using PowerPoint instead of show and tell and yeah. doing all these cool things that we probably never got to do. Um, but So he's def- selling. Yeah, he's and selling. Um, but definitely getting him to think about, you know, when he tells me what he's been doing throughout the day, um, definitely getting him to... Um, look at it from an approach about, you know, is he selling himself uh, in, a, in, in the right manner? Mm-hmm. Um, we talk a lot to him about his brand. Yep. You know, uh, what, is that good for your brand? Um, you know, do you think the decision you made there was good for your brand? So I think in some certain circumstance, that's, that's probably a way of selling. Yeah, definitely. And, and branding is actually something that I have written down for us to go into later. But uh, let's go back to, to every customer having a customer. Sure. So, Again, customer service. This customer service versus customer experience. Which one do you think is important, or do you think they're actually equally as important? Uh, I think they're equally. I think they're intertwined, and I think they're equally as important. I um, I run a basic. Uh, well, when I go to talk to people in our industry, mm-hmm. and I'm talking about customers, customer, or customer experience, I just re- relay it back to our daily lives. As you just said, with my kids, you know, if I was uh, most of us. Um, we'll get a, you know, a loaf of bread or a bottle of milk yep. this afternoon. Yep. Um, and, you know, I, I encourage my, my team, uh, colleagues, peers, CIOs, partners, when I'm talking to them about customer experience, um, you know, when you're going to buy that bottle of milk or that loaf of bread, how would you relay that back to your own experience? What are some things that you think you could improve about that experience? You know, was the bottle of milk too warm? Was mm-hmm. it cold? Was it in the wrong area? Yeah. Was it hard to find? You know, how did you go through the cash registers? Was that a great experience? Um, and you know, with the industry that we're in, I try and get my team to think about that and then relay it back to how they could think um, digitalization, technology, innovation could make that a better experience. Mm-hmm. So try and put themselves in the shoes of the customer or the customer's customer and yep. then relay that back to their conversations. It's a whole lot better than going and seeing a CIO or a customer and saying, we've got this new fast technology yeah. that's faster than our competitors. Um, buy it now. Yeah, like, correct. It just doesn't work these days. And, and there's a quote that I read a little while ago, and it was, uh, customer experience should not be a department. It should be the entire company. And I truly believe that. You're right. I think if we have a new technology or new something and we're a business, we can't just go out to our customers and say, Here's, here you go, here's a new sparkly, cool thing. We have to give them a reason to, to purchase, yeah, a reason should, to buy. I mean, you can't, be, you can't be right enough with that comment. I think one of the things that I've seen really successful in my time, the people that I've surrounded myself around have been you know, taking a particular customer, but not just speaking to the decision maker or, or you know, owning that decision maker and making sure they're okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to speak, you know, you got to speak to the warehouse guy. You got to speak to the person that pays the bills, the admin, the operations, because at the end of the day, 
Uh, what I'm learning more and more so when we visit with customers is it's not just a singular decision with one person making the decision. Um, they're consulting their team. Mm -hmm. In most cases, it's the layer down that's making the decisions. Yeah. The guy that we think is the decision maker is just si simply signing off. Correct. And he's trusting his team that he's yeah. going to make the right decision. Yeah. yeah. And you're right about that. And I think, I think the one thing I've experienced in the, in the, in the past few years in, in the IT industry is we realize that a lot of CIOs, CEOs, CTOs are kind of the overlay of, of looking to make sure everything's working, make sure their, their team is happy. And essentially, really all they care about is, is the technology working? Not, not down to the nitty-gritty. So it is very important. Yeah, Shiv, I know you experienced this as well in your role, but uh, you know, uh, 10, 15 years ago, if you speak to CIOs, CTOs, they were paid on some sort of metric, you know, sales-related, uh, you know, are, are our numbers up, then mm -hmm. that's how they get paid. And if you speak to a lot of the decision makers these days, the C-level, they're actually paid uh, on the experience, mm -hmm. the experience that customers um, have yep. with their solution. So if you think about it from an airport perspective, for example, um, I can bet you that the CIO of Sydney airports is gold all the way from when someone gets you know, off the cab passenger all the way till they get on that plane. Wow. And that's you know, one of the metrics that a lot of our organisations that we speak with um, are being measured on. And I think that's, that's evolved over the last five to 10, 15 years and it's helped with some of the conversations we're having with our customers. Mm -hmm. So Luke, let's, let's say for example, today's my first day at a new job. I get a sales list in front of me of, of my customers. How important do you think researching these customers are? Uh, it's, it is the most important thing, and I think you only really get one shot. If you think about the other thing that when we speak to customers, um, you know, 5, 10, 15 years, it's got so competitive mm -hmm. uh, in, in, the, in the industry we're in. Uh, and um, in some particular customers that I've spoken to, they can get anywhere up to seven calls a day wow. from technology partners. Mm -hmm. uh, and you know, you only, it's that old saying, you only get one shot to make that first impression. And yeah. I think um, there's a couple of things that'll help there, obviously being prepared. We've got a lot of good social media tools, LinkedIn, a lot of good resources, CRMs that mm -hmm. are available to us to help research, but also, um, you know, that partner community and, and, you know, in Australia, especially, it's a small community. Yeah, definitely. Uh, most people know a little bit about particular customers. And mm -hmm. if you can try and get that research and information and put it all together, before you even have a conversation with the customer, it's gonna go a long way. Yeah. And then, you know, how do you differentiate yourself? Because you just don't wanna rock up and talk about that latest and greatest box. Or be like the seven others that have just cold called a CIO. Absolutely, mm -hmm. you've gotta bring something different to the table. And I feel as though if you have that conversation where you're coming from the partnership angle, um, and that's not gonna happen by the way on the first call. Yeah, you can't yeah exactly. Someone straight away, but you know, I think that's when the research and the the, um, you know, how do you actually become relative to the customer, that's mm -hmm. important. So you, you strike me as a very patient person. And I think patience within what we do is, is sometimes hard to get. Obviously, like you said, there's weekly numbers, monthly numbers, quarterly, yearly. How do you stay so patient, not just with your customers, but with, with also your team? Yeah, I think, again, it comes down similar to what I, you know, what I, what I speak about when I speak about that partnership with customers. Again, mm -hmm. probably touches a little bit on our first podcast as well, but uh, at the end of the day, I'm managing a team. I, I'm not the one that's solely going out there and closing the deals. And yep. if I'm going to be successful, it's about the team being successful and, um, and making sure that they're able to, to go out and do their job on a daily basis. I think understanding each one of them and how they operate, just as if they were potential mm -hmm. clients, yep. um, is really key. So, and also, you know, e each particular 
um, person in the team has a different way of operating. And I think it's understanding how they operate. Mm -hmm. um, I often joke with my team sometimes, you'll get, you know, when you need certain things within that week, within that month, you know who you're, you, the people are you go to. Yeah. And yeah. you know who the people are you go to for the long game, mm -hmm. um, for the long approach. So um, the most, you know, one of the most important things is you've got to know your team, know how they operate, know what motivates them. Correct. Um, yeah. And... Uh, and you know, I come from a very operational background. I think that helps, you know, removing a lot of the barriers for my team, having that calmness. Mm -hmm. Like I said at the start of the podcast, it's really easy to, because um, of the pressure that comes down in you, really panic. And yep. Yep. Um, at the end of the day, uh, someone said to me 15, 20 years ago, we're not, we're not saving babies. Yeah. yeah. You know, <laughs> our job's important and we're on a mission to help customers. Um, but when you put it into context, Mm -hmm. um, it gives you back the focus you need to be able to get on with the job and make sure you have the right tools at hand. Yeah. So, so what advice? I mean, what what advice would you have for someone new in sales that are coming in or thinking about going into sales that are actually worried about the pressure? Yeah. So I think it's that bimodal approach. It's really important if you can adapt that skill, um, mm -hmm. which is sort of a newly adapted skill. Not many you know, companies in our industry have thought about that. It, it has been short term for such a long period of time. Mm -hmm. uh, and now companies are starting to realize that they can't continue to sustain that model. Yep. So it's all about the bimodal approach. Um, I've heard it called things like perform and transform. Yep. So, you know, how do you perform in the short term? Mm -hmm. You know, how do you look at your manager and what his short term requirements are? What does he need in the next couple of weeks? Mm -hmm. You know, similar to like a 30, 60, 90 day plan. Yep. Um, try and deliver on those, but then think about the long game. You know, think about the next uh, six, 12, 18 months. Mm -hmm. Um, I like to start off in a new role by coming up with just an observation slide. Okay. You know, because you're not going to be able to come into a role and immediately know what you're doing. Yeah. No one yeah. does. But you're going to have observations. And mm -hmm. I think, you know, I've always adapted. And I think I mentioned this in the first podcast. I've, I've, I'm, I'm a bit of a sponge. I like to come into new roles and learn, listen, observe. Mm -hmm. But you can't just sit and be the sponge. You've also got to um, look at what those observations are in that, that short-term approach. Definitely, yeah. definitely. Very good. So let's, let's talk about accessibility to, to customers. So how important is accessibility to not just customers, but also partners and, and distributors and whatnot? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a tool of the trade that I've used for, my, for most of my career. Mm -hmm. um, I, I might have again said this before, but I, I really believe in responsiveness. Yep. Um, so it's accessibility, but I think responsiveness is kind of the second evolution of sure. that. Yep. Um, and I think, you know, even if you don't know the answer to the question, being able to say to your customer or partner that, look, I don't know the answer, um, but I'll get to you, I'll get back to you by Friday. Mm -hmm. And making sure you get back to them by Friday. It's yep. so important mm -hmm. and it builds rapport. Um, I can't tell you how many times, Shiv, I've seen people get back to them on the Monday after and they've almost lost all credibility with the partner and wow. customer. Mm -hmm. you know? Now, that, look, things might have happened, yep. but again, what it proves is that if you can deliver, even if you can't, if you're delivering the non-deliverable, yep. You're still delivering something, correct? And that has a, that goes a long way with customers and partners, I think. Yeah, and I think just to add on that, I think transparency is, is key as well. Yeah. And uh, and the reason I say that is years ago, I think it was about eight years ago. I remember getting stuck and pretending like I knew the answer to something, where I was actually called out by a customer, and it was the most embarrassing thing. And, and since then, 
I've realized that you're actually, it's okay to seek help, and it's okay to say that you don't know something, but you'll get an answer to them later in the week. And that, that's totally yeah. fine, I think, in sales. Yeah. Like I recently, I've been going around and speaking to CIOs about the evolution of change that we've had from 2016 to now and how yeah. digitalization has changed so quickly and things that in 2016 have either progressed so far that they've become the norm now or yeah. they just have dropped off the radar altogether. And if you look at all those things that have, um, you know, the ideas, you know, automation, uh, mm -hmm. nanosensors, uh, longer life batteries, all these things that were a focus area, 2D materials, you know, IoT, yeah. some of these things that were really key, cybersecurity back in 2016, mm -hmm. they just didn't start by uh, one person. You know, yeah. ideas and innovation come from a group of people mm -hmm. and your customers know that. Definitely. Um, customers, definitely. Uh, if they didn't need any help and they didn't need any guidance and they didn't need a partnership, Mm -hmm. then uh, we'd probably be out of a job. Yeah, right? exactly. So <laughs> that partnership, I think customers are definitely wanting. Yeah. Good. Yeah. So this question is, uh, I think it's, a, it's one that someone asked me to ask you, actually. And um, again, because you're such a patient person, a lot of times there, there are relationships that, that go sour with, with customers, right? How do you fix a bad relationship with a customer? I think, it's, I think it comes back to that customer's customer point of topic that yep. we're talking about today. So it's how you sympathize with the customer, how mm -hmm. you put themselves in, in your shoes. I've been involved in some really serious you know, uh, situations that have the potential to go really south. And I mm -hmm. think at the end of the day, um, if you um, have that connection with the customer, which has come from doing mm -hmm. all the research and getting to know about the customer and building that rapport, um, you understand very quickly that the customer just wants a solution. Yep. And um, what I try to do is um, there's always going to be emotion yep. because, again, there's pressure. People's Correct. jobs are on the line. But you've got to try your best to try and put that to the side because the minute you get involved in the emotion, mm -hmm. the minute you become distracted and you lose focus of the dual objective that both you and the customer are trying to achieve. Yep. So I think um, trying to remain calm is obviously easier said than done. Yeah. <laughs> um, but trying to put that emotion aside and just focus on the solution. Um, a lot of customers... Um, will be, you know, they're, they're, they're rightfully so, they'll, they'll get emotional, but you find that once you, um, you know, two, two weeks later when you've solved the problem, they'll come back to you and say, Luke, thank you. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, was in a, I was in a really tough time there. Um, you, stuck with, you stuck with me. Mm -hmm. uh, you helped me out. Um, you, you looked at the, 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 you know, the connection we have as a, a partnership. Mm -hmm. uh, you could have left me high and dry. Yep. But you, you stuck in and you were able to help me and I really appreciate that. And mm -hmm. let's move on to the next opportunity. Yeah. And that's kind of the situation that I've encountered and a lot of the time. I, I personally witnessed yeah. you doing this, yeah. actually, if you remember, I won't name the customer, yeah. but I've seen a CIO come in and, and be very angry with us and you go in there and you know, now we're working with them on, yeah. on multiple different projects. So yeah. thank you for that. No, no worries. No. I mean, a lot of times you've just got to put yourselves in their shoes. And we, we'd probably yeah. react that way as well. You know, if, yeah, we were, if we had that situation happen to us and mm -hmm. we're working in the high-tech industry where, look, um, stuff goes wrong. Yep. Uh, we're working with cutting-edge technology, the newest and greatest and latest type of things. And um, it's, uh, it's how we, uh, one of my mentors sort of taught me a good three or four years ago, um, you know, it's how, how you respond after the sale mm -hmm. that really builds the relationship with the customer. Yeah. Um, and that's really what, uh, what makes the partnership work. And that's very important because a, a lot of times we, you know, we would sell things and, and that's it. Yeah. Right? That's why customer experience is yeah. so important to drive the sale even yeah. further after the sale's done. Yeah, it's funny, you know, in some of the big uh, opportunities we've been involved in in sales, we've actually, before we've even done the deal, 
we've talked about um, if stuff was to go wrong, mm -hmm. which typically seems a bit unnatural, right? <laughs> yeah. Most uh, goes back to your original question, Shiv. Most uh, that occupation branding of sales is we'll just sell something that doesn't work just to get the sale done. Mm -hmm. And what I've seen work really effective with a lot of our customers is to actually tell you, okay, well, it might go wrong. We're, yeah. we're working in the latest, greatest technology where every deployment's different, yeah. um, every customer's different, every customer's trying to sh achieve something slightly different. And um, stuff will go wrong. Yeah. But this is what will happen when it does go wrong. Mm -hmm. And every time, every time we've uh, been successful in an opportunity where we've taken the customer through that journey. Well, absolutely. And it goes yeah. back to transparency. Yeah. You're, you're saying that, hey, something may go wrong, but if it does, we have your back because of plan A, plan B, plan C. Awesome. Exactly. Uh, we, we spoke about branding, but I want to I deep, uh, deep dive in a little bit more. So obviously branding with, with your son, getting up there in front of class and doing something different. Now, what would you say is the most important thing about branding? And, and, and you know I'm big with branding, whether it's personal branding or company branding. How do you think someone can fix a, a bad brand or rectify a bad brand? Look, I think it's just communication and uh, not excess communication, but just you know, communication at the right times, which mm -hmm. is really hard to get, a, get into a rhythm. I think if you are, you know, one of the things that I encourage um, a lot of the people that I mentor, uh, the brand isn't the company you work for, it's mm -hmm. your own brand. And in a Correct. respectful and professional manner, use the company you're working for to elevate your brand mm -hmm. um, because you'll also elevate their brand as well. But, but that's where the focus should be. Yeah. Um, I think, look, there's always going to be circumstances where people have misunderstood potentially or something's happened and brand is damaged. I think the only way you can rectify that is by continuing to brand and brand well. Yeah. Um, by going quiet, that probably doesn't help the situation. So I think, I think brand awareness... Um, can be, yeah, poor brand awareness can be defeated by brand awareness. Yep. And I think, you know, the, the more you get out there and promote, um, the better. Uh, again, I think there's always a limit. Um, like anything, um, you know, stuff in excess is probably not, not good. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it's the right messaging. Again, I think it's messaging that's going to help people. So if you think about what you're delivering when it's around your brand, talk about something you've done well. Talk about something that hasn't gone well, but yeah. how you learnt from it. Mm -hmm. I think the important thing with branding is, you know, before you post something on social media, think about how it's going to help others, um, and that'll really elevate your brand. Yeah, there are so many people that I've seen do some really great things. We were just talking about someone before this and saying, you know, I didn't really know the great job they were doing until I worked with them directly. Yeah, uh, and I'd known this person for three or four years. Mm -hmm. So I spend a lot of time trying to elevate that, that those people's brands because um, you know a lot of the people are doing some really great stuff out there, but we're just not hearing about it. And yep. again, it goes back to that innovation circle. As a community, we need to let people know the good things we're doing. Yeah. Because if we won't, then we won't be helping our customers out. You know, the partnerships that we have, um, we won't be helping ourselves. Yeah, agree. I, th I, th I think with branding, so. There, there's two aspects to it. There's, there's obviously getting yourself out there, but there's also taking action. Yep. Because if you're putting yourself out there too much without action, people begin to see through that, right? So you, you actually have to do both. And, and uh, I remember when I started the, the podcast and the book, it was actually very hard for me to choose, you know, what do I do? Do I focus on personal branding? Do I focus on work? And essentially, you're right, it did help me in both aspects. Yep. And since then, it's been great. Yeah. So. And a little bit of authenticity as well about how we go about it. Yeah. I mean, uh, just being genuine. Yep. Um, Correct. goes a long way. Yep. Yeah. So you said something to me the other day in the, in the office uh, about small business, and I couldn't stop thinking about it. And, and uh, if I can paraphrase what you said, you mentioned to me that no matter how 
big, a big business is, they were once a small business. And I think that we always forget, we don't look at Apple or Google or any of these companies and think that they were actually a small business before. So yeah, I'd love for you to expand on that. Yeah, correct. So uh, you know, obviously spending a lot of time now focused on, on small businesses. Uh, and you know, I'm learning a lot. Uh, mm. In the last month or two, um, you really sort of have a newfound appreciation for small businesses and what they have to go through. Mm -hmm. You know, most people that are business owners, they're the CEO, the CIO, the CFO, the gardener, you yeah. know, the, the admin person, the operations person. So these are people that are really, you know, doing it all by themselves. Mm -hmm. And um, and we've talked to a lot of, a lot of uh, small business customers you know, in the last eight, eight weeks and being able to help those type of customers is really compelling because in most cases you can really see the impact that it's having on the, their business. Mm -hmm. um, they wake up in the morning not wanting to buy the latest piece of technology, yeah. but they're wanting to make their lives easier and their customers' lives easier and, and you know, potentially monetize that solution, um, make it more efficient. Mm -hmm. And so you really get to see it at its rawest form yeah. uh, in a small business customer. And look, I, I was thinking a lot about it. You know, yeah, like you said, Shiv, a lot of those bigger customers do have, uh, you know, they start off small um, and there's a huge focus on what we're, we're doing around there. The other interesting thing that I found is that, um, unlike a lot of other customers, small businesses have already decided on what they're going to buy okay. before they speak to a technology partner. Mm. And so it's a new way of, you know, how do we access a lot of those customers? How do we get our messaging out? Kind of ties in with your branding. Mm -hmm. How do we get to a potential customer or client before they can even think about getting to us? Yeah, definitely. Um, unlike other customers we've had in other segments in mm -hmm. the top end of town, they typically will you know, really rely on technology partners early on in the process. But yeah. the guy from small business who just gets up in the morning, he just wants it done. He mm -hmm. wants a solution because he's got nine or 10 other things to do and think about in that day because yep. he's got all these other roles. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a huge, it's a huge growth area that our industry definitely should focus in. Okay. Um, there's a huge uh, market opportunity there for us. Um, but I also think that um, there's a lot of failure as well. If mm -hmm. you look at, you know, there's a stat that says, you know, 60% of small businesses fail in the first year, but it's those other 40% that actually go on to be the next, um, the next big thing. Right? Yeah. So it's still a large component where we feel like we can, we should be helping across the board. But, but uh, yeah, some great opportunities and great conversations. I was just speaking to um, a bowling alley uh, owner two weeks ago in Melbourne. Yeah. <laughs> that is key and in, you know, interest in Wi-Fi analytics because he wants to know which bowling lanes are busy during which time of the day and which type of merchandise is selling at the cafe more so than others. Yeah. So he can really plan and put the right level of uh, staff on at those times, mm -hmm. but also stock up on the right type of snacks that uh, customers are coming in and consuming. So. You know, five five months ago, I'd never thought I'd be having those type of conversations yeah. with these type of customers. Well, you just said something uh, about three minutes ago, and it was more of you're actually seeing an impact. Right? You're, you're actually making an impact to these small businesses. And I think that a lot of times with large corporations that we work with, we, we don't get to see that. So how, how good do you feel? How does that make you feel when you get to see the yeah. impact that technology is making on the customer? Yeah, if I'm honest, you know, that's the biggest change in my career that I've seen shifting from a channel role. Mm -hmm. uh, I loved, again, you know, the channel roles that I've been in in my past career. You know, I get to work with some really good partners and it's a repeat conversation. So, you know, you, you find a, a relationship within a partner, a particular person that you really enjoy working with, and you just go out and win deals day in, day out. Um, that was great. But 
because you're kind of behind the channel partner, you don't really get to see the impact that it has directly on the end user. And I think the shift that I made in recent years to focusing more on end users has really been rewarding because you typically, um, you know, and it happens even on the weekends with your wife and your kids, you know, you, know, you could go somewhere and, um, you know, retail outlet, yeah. your favourite uh, burger place, mm-hmm. and you, you know, you point over, you lean over to your wife and say, "Look, I, I, I had something to do with that yeah. solution." You know, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're now automating their burger order because of the conversations that we had together as two companies. Wow, yeah, and I think that you know, I'm not sure if anyone else gets a kick out of that, but <laughs> the I think, burger joint, yeah. yeah, but I think I think that you know that um, that hit, it hits home. It, it makes you feel like you're actually helping um, someone, and, and you made a difference. Role. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. definitely. Definitely. Well, Luke, listen, I know, I know you're a busy man, so I, I do want to let you go. But before that, I'd love to, I'd love you to leave with the, uh, the listeners just two, advi- two pieces of advice, really, for um, small business owners that may be listening. So advice for small business owners. And again, advice for maybe people that are thinking about joining sales that haven't yeah. joined yet. So I think there's two things. I think definitely you know, go home tonight, buy that bottle of milk, buy that loaf of bread. Think about the experience that you're having as you're going all the way from the car park and you get out of your car, mm-hmm. all the way to you get that loaf of bread and you get back into your car. And try and think about all the things that you think could improve and because there's always improvements in life um, mm-hmm. and how we can make them better. Mm-hmm. And then try and tie that into your, you know, if you had a sales account patch of a certain amount of customers tomorrow, new job, how would you apply those type of gaps in that particular vertical or industry mm-hmm. and have conversations with the potential customers and clients about how, your ideas and how you think the company you work for can improve that. Um, the other thing I'd ask everyone to think about, the second piece of advice, think about your customer base. Um, at the moment, we have a fast evolving customer base um, where, where we are having um, you know, millennials, Gen Ys, mm-hmm. uh, really become key decision makers within the customers that we have. And for instance, the other day, Shiv, I had my five-year-old um, looking through an actual physical photo album, a photo frame, and she was flicking the photo because she thought it was an iPad. Yeah. <laughs> and it's really scary. And trust me, I think my daughter's quite smart. Um, but these are going to be, she's five, so this is potentially going to be our customer in the next five, 10, 15, 20 years. Mm-hmm. And we were having a whinge. I was having a whinge with a colleague the other day about my son. You know, I was overseas at a, at a conference and he wasn't replying to my text. I wanted to know how he was. And the colleague said to me, look, it's because you're not, you're just texting, you're SMSing. Nine-year-olds nowadays, they don't, they're not responding to text. They're, yeah. they're either, they're Google or, you know, social media mm-hmm. or uh, Snapchat. Yeah. Um, you've got to adapt to their medium, <laughs> which is really, really scary. Yeah. Um, but... This is how you're going to have to address and respond to your customers in the next 5, 10, 15 years. Mm-hmm. What are the different types of platforms you're going to use to be able to communicate your message once you find out what the gaps are in your bread and milk experience? Yep. So I think it's two five things. Finding the gaps that you can address and form that relationship by building a partnership and not just selling them a box. And the second thing is think about how your customer would like to be approached and what medium or platform are you going to use to communicate with them that is relevant to mm-hmm. them when they become a decision maker? Wow. Yeah. Beautiful. Luke, thanks so much. I think we're going to beat 6,000 downloads. So, uh, we're trying, There guys. we go. Challenge we're accepted. <laughs> yep. Thanks awesome. very much, Luke. Really appreciate it. Thanks for being here, Shoot. Right. Yeah. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Don't forget to subscribe, share, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. 
For more information, visit shivrad.com. Peace. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind.